I'm a big believer in building relationships, building your network. I talk about this a lot and it's very genuine. You know, it's not, I, I don't approach it like meet, meet as many people you can to, to propel yourself forward. It's really a two way street. You help, you help people when they need it. Um, and, and I believe in karma, what goes around comes around. If you have any connection to the fashion or beauty industries, you've most likely heard of Alexandra Wilkes-Wilson. Even if you haven't heard of Alexandra, who was one of our dream guests for this podcast, you've most likely heard of the very successful company she's led, Guild Group and Glam Squad. And now her latest professional success is Allergan Spotlight, educating millions of consumers on beauty and medical aesthetics. Coming up, you'll hear about Alexandra's remarkable entrepreneurial journey, from lemonade stand to leading a thousand employees, how startups are romanticized and teams are everything, the importance of a two-way street and how becoming a mother impacted her professional life, how she's found the right people to hire, launching a company in the biggest way and with food trucks, how culture has been a focus for her new company and how she's learned to say no, but sometimes yes. We reveal the surprising identity of Glam Squad's 500,000th customer to Alexandra, plus a surprise, along with a brainstorm for a social media strategy. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done, and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Alexandra, welcome to the podcast. We are so happy to have you here today. And I have to tell you, you have been one of my dream guests to have on our show. Oh, thank I've, you so much. I've been following you since your guilt days and glam squad. And, you know, I heard, I think it was either a podcast or an article where you were talking about your first business endeavor was actually a lemonade stand. Is this true? <laughs> I don't know if I'd fully call it a business, but yes, I loved doing lemonade stands as a little girl. I think that's like the thing that brings all entrepreneurs together. I feel like I've met so many other entrepreneurs who say the first thing they ever did was had a lemonade stand or they were selling bracelets. I did the exact same thing. What do you think it is about starting these business ventures, we'll call them, when you're a kid and then that leading to the success of your career as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so um, I grew up in New York City, and I thought a really fun play date with um, with a girlfriend usually would be um, pu- putting together a little a little stand either outside um, my building or a friend's building, and um, you know, walking up to strangers, waving at strangers, and um, of course we had a doorman to kind of watch over us or our parents, but. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and see if you could market something and sell it and, and do it with enthusiasm. And I've, I've done little versions, actually, of that with my own children. And it's really funny to see little little salespeople personalities uh, come to life even at a really young age. It's genetic, right? I guess. I don't know. It's like, people think it's crazy. I was like, oh, my gosh, it was so much fun. Do you think your kids are entrepreneur- entrepreneurs in training? Um, I mean, I hope so. You, you, they're they're both enthusiastic children, so I think uh, they probably have a um, an ability to to sell sell something when they feel strongly about something. They they definitely can do that. <laughs> and uh, after the lemonade stand business or endeavor, um, you have went on to start a series of businesses. So I guess can you just walk us through? That's uh, your journey over the past, I don't know, since the late lemonade stand days. Oh, yeah, well, we, we definitely don't have uh, – I'm not going to bore your, your audience with uh, the 25 years um, from lemonade stand to uh, 2007 when um, I joined my co-founders and together we launched Guilt, which was um, really my first entrepreneurial um, venture um, as, as a career person. I – after college, went into investment banking for three years, then went to business school, and then um, actually went into luxury. So worked a couple years at Louis Vuitton and then at Bulgari, um, and then got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug in 2007, which is when we launched Guilt, uh, which was a, a major turning point for me in my career um, and a really exciting point, I think, 
um, when technology and fashion and e-commerce were um, really, really changing. And I think we we put together um, a team. I'm a big believer in teams. I don't like doing things alone. I don't like being alone, actually, <laughs> like people. Um, get my energy from others. And and we built something that really was um, so exciting and transformative. And um, we changed a lot of things, I think, for consumers and also uh, within the retail industry at, at, a, at a weird time in the world. You know, we started right before kind of the recession got bad and before a lot of the Wall Street banks, um, some of them imploded. And um, it was it was an incredible experience for me. I learned so much. It was fun. It was stressful. It was eye-opening. There were some moments of glamour, and there were a lot many more moments of um, blood, sweat, and tears, for sure. So you essentially worked in corporate America before you started this huge business. Can you share with us what the process was actually like from having this idea for Guilt, and you came together with your co-founders to raising money and figuring out how to actually start this business? Because it seems like you had this idea, and then Guilt was there, but there's so much in between. How did that happen? Oh, yeah, there's definitely so much in between. I think um, these days society sometimes um, and the news sometimes romanticizes startups. And and so many of us think like, oh, you know, would love to be an entrepreneur. It looks so fun. And um, it's really, really, really hard. And it's really emotional. And I think especially the first time is very emotional. So um, again, we were a team. We were five co-founders of the five of us. I was I was really the only one who hadn't worked in a startup before. Um, so I learned so much from um, my co-founders and and some early team members who'd also been at startups. And the reality for me was I was I was totally naive to how hard it was going to be. I um, I also didn't envision um, how big and how quickly um, this idea could could turn into something. And, and it doesn't usually go that fast for most startups. I mean, most startups um, fail and, and don't succeed. And, and very few kind of hit that hockey stick inflection point of, of hyper growth. And I've been involved um, indirectly and directly um, in in many startups beyond the few that I've co-founded. So, you know, sometimes I'm an angel investor or a formal advisor or even just a, a friend um, or mentor to some some startups. And to to get that perfect product market fit is is hard. You know, it's a perfect storm of a good idea. Um, a great idea is fantastic, but it could be even a good idea because you can always tweak and perfect that idea. Um, you need amazing people. Um, you can have amazing people turn a good idea into something um, exceptional, but you can't really have mediocre people turn an amazing idea yeah. into something <laughs> exceptional. So the people are really what what I think go from taking that idea to a reality. And um, timing's really mm-hmm. important. Um, funding's important. You got to get all these pieces into into place. Um, and and you you know think about what is the problem you're solving. So not that it was a problem, but for guilt, we were um, trying to take the excitement of an exclusive New York City sample sale and bring that online uh, to people all across the country. And that became millions of people all around the world um, in, in, in just a few years. So that that was it was a big challenge. And, and when we got started, we wanted luxury brands. We wanted the best brands in the world. And a lot of these brands didn't even sell online yeah. at full price in 2007. So the fact that we were saying, OK, sell online, sell at a discount, um, but we will photograph everything beautifully, which at the time was unusual. Um, it was it was uh, it was new. There was a lot of newness and excitement and enthusiasm. And, um, you know, it was it was it was pretty amazing. But it was hard. It was really hard. I, I think that's probably the most stressed I've ever been in my life wow. was was during those <laughs> those guilt years. How did you decide between your co-founders who was focusing on what? So that was easy um, for us because we were the five of us are really different and had very um, clearly defined skill sets and experiences. So sometimes I see in other startups, you might see co-presidents, co-CEOs. And um, I I really believe having clarity of roles is so critical, um, what your skill sets are and also personalities. So um, when we first got started, Alexis Maybank, who was and is still one of my best friends, um, 
She was our CEO, and she'd had startup experience before. Um, They threw me into the role. We threw myself into the role of um, chief merchandising officer, although technically I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, (laughs) But I'm (laughs) I'm a good salesperson. So, you know, which I think, honestly, people sometimes poo-poo sales as not an important skill. And it's so important. And and that, you know, you could say started in the lemonade stand days. But... It's so important to be able to sell yourself, your ideas, your your vision, whether you're um, applying to school or university or applying for a job. That's really selling. That's Absolutely. being confident and learning to sell. And if you're a founder, um, you're selling a vision of your company and trying to get investors to believe in you. So, um, so I sold uh, the vision of guilt to what became actually thousands of brands wow. all over the world. So that was um, a challenge, but but super fun. Um, and I hired great people who had come out of um, department stores and off price and full price. We honestly raided Saks Fifth Avenue um, of a lot of talent, and the timing was perfect because they had to do a lot of cut, cutting mm. back of their team. So I learned so much. I'm a big believer in learning, learning from people you manage, yep. um, as well of course as of course learning from from peers and investors. And but you can really learn from a 360 perspective. And I think not everyone always realizes that. How did you meet your co-founders? Because I think that is a lot of, that is a big challenge for a lot of people who have this great idea and they're looking for someone else to to help them launch. Yes. Such a good question. And now I realized I went on such a tangent. Um, (laughs) So Alexis was CEO. Sorry, going back to the first question. And then we had two engineers. So Mike Brzezik and Fong so clearly, I mean, what, what they did was, was, technology magic. Um, and then Kevin Ryan was our founder and chairman and started us off with our with our seed investment. Um, later, he became CEO several years later. And then I was in charge of the, the inventory. And and also, um, I'd say Alexis and I together took, took the majority of trying to get as many members to be excited and join Guild. So we both did so much marketing as well. So it was clear, you know, different skill sets, different roles. um, And that was helpful. And then how we met them, you know, I can't tell you how many people who, you know, come more from, let's say, the business or creative side and are like, how do I find an engineer? How do I meet engineers? You know, I have a great concept and but I don't know how to um, turn it into into something technical. And um, Alexis and I actually wrote a book. It's it's um, now of several years old. It was from 2012. Um, it's called By Invitation Only, How We Built Guilt and Changed the Way Millions Shop. And um, I remember in, in writing the book, we, we interviewed our, our technical co-founders, Mike and Fong, and said, you know, this is something that we think our readers who might have entrepreneurial dreams are going to want to know. How do they meet someone technical? And they kind of looked at each other and they burst out laughing and they were like, Honestly, we have no idea how to meet people like us. It's not easy. <laughs> and we were like, well, that's not helpful. And um, so, so you know, I was sort of joking. I'm like, so should they just go hang out at MIT and hang out in the coffee shops? And uh, Mike was like, that's actually not a bad idea. I was like, wow, okay, it's hard. It's really hard. And so I think now, I mean, that was, again, we the book came out in 2012. I think these days so many more people are coming out of um, – Coding, you see a lot more women taking interest than before. I mean, it's still pathetically small, um, but there are more, uh, more and more people graduating with engineering skills. There are also more um, agencies that that can help with that. But I'm a, in general, whether it's um, for finding co-founders or even if you work in a big company and and um, you know are just curious. I, I'm a big believer in building relationships, building your network. I talk about this a lot. And it's very genuine. You know, it's not, I, I don't approach it like meet, meet as many people you can to to propel yourself forward. It's really a two-way street. You help, you help people when they need it. Um, and, and I believe in karma, what goes around comes around. So I love LinkedIn. I use it a ton. Um, it's sort of an easy way, I think, to keep track of people because I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm actually a little crazy about it. Um, keeping track of people's email addresses. If you, if you were to email me, I would definitely save your email address. But, you know, I might not be in the loop if you changed jobs or email addresses or if you moved or whatnot. And I think LinkedIn is just such an easy way to keep track of people professionally. Obviously, there are many social networks and they all, I think, have have come up with very clear purposes. But LinkedIn professionally is is really amazing. 
It's good when you get the email updates, this person changed this career, then you can yeah. keep in touch with them and send them a note. And yeah, congratulate well, yeah, them exactly. on their work anniversary yes. <laughs> and, and whatnot. No, I think it's, it's, um, it's really, it's amazing. Yeah, LinkedIn is amazing. So tell us about when you knew you were working at Gilt and then other opportunities started coming up and you clearly had that entrepreneurial itch and bug to keep doing other things. How did you transition and know it was the right time to go from Gilt to Glam Squad? Yeah, such um, such a interesting question, I think. So I was at Gilt seven years, uh, which is the longest I've worked anywhere, uh, 2007 to 2014. And, you know, I, I really loved um, Gilt so much. It really was uh, – I, I, we started Gilt before I became a real mother. It was like my first child <laughs> in, in some ways. And um, I cared so deeply about it. It was so emotional. Uh, but there just came a moment where we had over a thousand employees, and I think for me it was, you know, and I loved the team. I loved what we did. I, I always believed in the mission and the vision of it, but I wasn't learning. Um, and for me to stay engaged in something, I, I need to be learning. And I mean, there are moments I think where um, it's okay. To, I feel like it's okay for myself to coast. And when something becomes routine, sometimes that's nice, especially as a new mother um, that, you know, I was able to lift my, my pedal off of, of the gas, um, so to speak a little bit, which, which was nice. Um, I had my first kid um, three years into guilt and then my second, I guess, six years in. So um, that time it kind of worked nicely, but I had been, I mentioned I got, had gotten involved in a lot of other startups and, and that was exciting for me to stay kind of intellectually curious and so many entrepreneurs, especially if it was a woman coming out of Harvard Business School, living in New York and thinking about doing something that was sort of consumer tech related. I, I feel like I met probably 90% of those people, um, which was great. It was amazing. You know, they would come visit and say, I have this idea, or sometimes it'd be just, it'd be beyond an idea. It would be, you know, we've launched something. Can you try it? Can you give me feedback? And, um, and I love doing that intellectually stimulating and also kind of a way to share my experiences. And if I could help contribute mm -hmm. to, um, other people's successes, um, that, that to me was really exciting. And, and also I learned a ton of lessons. I mean, we made mistakes along the way for sure. And so talking about those mistakes, being open, um, you know, thinking about, I wish, I wish I'd known many things before mm -hmm. starting guilt. Um, sometimes I don't always scare them about how really hard it is because <laughs> I don't want to, you know, unmotivate people, but no, I'm kidding. I actually, I, I think it's important for people to realize like, are you really in this? And, and sometimes startups can be it's not like two years. It can be seven to ten years um, for an exit. But um, so I had gotten involved in Glam Squad. Glam Squad had just started, um, and two of the co-founders I'd gone to college with, and um, I, I bumped into them at a Harvard um, kind of graduate event related to venture capital in the in New York City, and they told me they have this idea and that they'd just started in New York and. They'd love to tell me more about it, and I caught up with them maybe a day or two later, and I just said, oh, my gosh, like, this is a, an amazing um, concept and service, and, you know, I've always been someone who – I'm not very good at doing my own hair, so I always feel better about, about myself if I've had my hair done, and being a busy, working, professional mother – it's it's hard. It's just hard. It's yeah. hard to do anything, and so to have the luxury of someone coming to your home for uh, fifty dollars to do your hair, and they can come really early, really late. You know, just seemed like a no brainer. And and many different life cases, I think, could respond to that. So I got involved. Um, they made me a formal advisor, got some equity in the company, and then I was really open to these guys saying, you know, I'm, I'm in this chapter of what am I going to do when I leave Gilt? And Alexis Maybank, who, my, my dear friend and co-founder, she had just left Gilt. So I think that made it easier for mm. me to be like, oh, you know, the, it's okay. I don't have to necessarily stay on full time um, until an exit. And so anyway, um, next thing I knew, uh, the, the Glam Squad co-founder said, come join us. We know you love this business. We want you to be our CEO. We'll make you a co-founder. And um, how could I say no to that? And Gilt was super supportive. It obviously wasn't competitive in any way. And um, and that was a two-year chapter and an amazing one. And, you know, I'm no longer operationally involved in Glam Squad, but um, I'd say 
probably a top user of it, still love it. Um, I'm a shareholder. I care about it. And um, and I love that, that the business is now beyond just hair in home in New York City. It's hair, makeup, and nails. It's in markets across uh, across the country, and they're working on um, so many cool, innovative um, kind of new paths for revenue for the business. And and I stay very close to the team there. And um, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty pretty exciting. Well, we've been big Glam Squad fans since yeah, I glam. think it was 2015. Glam ah. Squad is always saving the day, yes. especially oh, if you need a quick manicure. I know that they, yeah. Glam Squad has really helped me out uh, over the past year uh, in that area, and we're always getting our hair done, especially Stephanie, who yes. has a good story for you. I'll tell you that oh, story. Cool. Well, you both have such beautiful hair. <laughs> so, yeah. um, we found out about Glam Squad because we actually heard you speak at Soho House oh. and years ago, probably right when you started there, maybe 2015, okay. and then you gave everything. Everyone who was there, a $50 gift card or free <laughs> blowout. So that's when we with tried the Glam little, Squad. Uh, hair band yeah. came with. Oh, yeah, yeah those Glam bands. Yeah. I loved those. I still love those. I I'm know. always like, do you I, guys, I'm, can I have more? I know. <laughs> I need some new ones. Um, oh, that's good. Well, yeah. I'm glad those gift cards worked. They worked. Sometimes and they don't we're work. a loyal customer, and I'll tell you what happened after that. Coming up, we have a surprise for Alexandra. Plus, you'll hear more about how what she's doing now is actually scarier than anything she's done before. Okay, so here's my Glam Squad story for you. About a month or so ago, I I booked Glam Squad because we were actually recording our podcast that day and filming, so I was like, I need good hair. (laughs) And my doorbell rings at 7 in the morning, and this man is standing at my door with flowers, and I'm like, who is this? He's like... Hi, Stephanie. My name is Gio. I'm one of the co-founders of Glam Squad. You're our 100,000th customer. You have won Glam Squad for a year. What? And I was like, what? Is this real? Like, are there cameras here? Is this really happening? He's like, no, this is real. I was like, come in, come in. So I was the 100,000th Glam Squad customer. And you got Giovanni. And Gio is the best of the best. He is so so wonderful. I didn't know. I didn't know that we'd hit 100,000. Yes. Amazing. And so good that it was you. Yes. It was the best surprise ever. What a year supply. Of, of Glam Squad, A year right? of Glam Squad, yes. So a year of free Glam Squad. I get my hair blown out once a week now. And it's going to be hard to go back to reality after I'll that. Be, I'll still be paying. I was, I was getting my was hair done before. in my apartment at the same time, and she's calling me, and she's like, I won. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> I go, that's amazing. You no, no one deserves it more than you. And then at the end of my <laughs> hair session, they go, and we have a surprise for you. And I'm like, really? What? And they give me um, a sample size uh, Too Faced mascara. <laughs> Which was really nice. great because that is actually my favorite mascara, but. It was just funny because I was like, oh, well, my wow. friend just won a year's supply of, of oh Glam Squad. Oh, my gosh. Squad. That's awesome. Well, I'm so happy it went to well, you. thank uh, you. I will text uh, Gio right after we're done here. He That's is the so best. Cool. I He's love amazing. Him. Oh, my gosh. To have him uh, do, do your hair is like. The great, I mean, he's and my so hair looked amazing talented. that day. Obviously, oh, I was like shaking. Yeah. I'm like, is this real? Do I? And my husband was like still sleeping because I get up before and before work. I'm like, Craig, I just won Glam Squad for a year. He's like, what are you talking about? Amazing. Wow. So, speaking of surprises, we love to do something where we always surprise and delight our guests. And we own a social media agency, so of course, surprising and delighting customers and fans is so important. Yeah. So, we looked through all of your social media to learn as much as we could about you. So, we have some surprises. Prizes in your bag. Thank you. So if you pull out your bag, there should oh be an envelope gosh. in there. Holy cow. Is that the right envelope? Yes. Yeah. Is this it? Yes. Social flash. I open it now. Oh, yeah. Wow. <gasps> oh, shock therapy. Oh, my gosh. Um, one shocking session on us. Yes, you know that I am obsessed with shock therapy. Oh, that is so nice of you. Thank you. You're so welcome. I'll well, take pictures and think yes, of you. Please, when, please. Um, when I'm getting shocked, that was very generous. Well, Thank enjoy. You and we have some you. sweet treats for you over to your right there. Oh, my gosh. You're spoiling me. You have Thank to check you. out what's on the cupcakes there. <laughs> Spotlight, there cupcakes, go. and social fly, and entrepreneurista all together. I love it. 
We have to take pictures yes, of that. Yes, we'll definitely take pictures. So you can enjoy those and Thank eat you. them now or bring them back later. I, I, will, I will eat one as soon as we turn this off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, so yeah, going back to, to what we were talking about earlier, uh, tell us about how you transitioned from uh, Glam Squad to what you're doing now. When to, how did you know it was time to start something new again? Yes. Yeah, so um, basically, uh, summer of 2017, a mentor of mine, her name's Adrian Shapira. She actually had been on the board of Guilt um, and someone I, I stayed closely in touch with. I reached out to her. I said, um, I'm interested in looking for some exciting for for unexciting board opportunity. If anything comes your way, think of me, um, because now she's she's being pretty. She, opportunities certainly come her way, and she's now a private equity investor, so she can't probably do all the opportunities that come her way. And she said, I'm going to introduce you to someone. Uh, so I met this um, man um, named Tom Key at BCG, and his role is to help their BCG clients, Boston Consulting Group clients, with board placements. Met with him. He said, you know, nothing's coming to mind right now in terms of any board searches I'm, I'm helping with. However, one of our big clients in healthcare is doing something, wants to do something super innovative, and it's Allergan. And I said, huh, okay. And I knew at the time that Allergan um, owns Botox. And I said, okay, this, you know, not not really what I was here to talk about. But, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer, never turn down an opportunity to meet someone and, and learn something. So I said, okay, you know, sure, I'm happy to take a meeting. So kind of fast forward, uh, I met with the BCG partner working on this um, idea for for kind of helping Allergan become disruptive. And then fast forward to getting to know um, Brent Saunders, CEO of Allergan, and Bill Murray, um, our chief commercial officer. Uh, fast forward to February of 2018, I joined Allergan um, in uh, a role that uh, was in some ways super scary, scarier, I think, than um, starting something from scratch because when you're starting something from scratch, you kind of only have yourself to mm -hmm. let down. And the opportunity was to help the medical aesthetics division um, really embrace um, consumers and technology and build uh, some um, totally kind of never been done before startup ventures. And I can only tell you about one of them um, because the, the others haven't launched yet. But um, in September 2018, we launched um, a, a new venture uh, called Spotlight, um, which is a content website. It's spelled um, unusually. You, you have the beautiful uh, cupcakes with the logo on it, but um, the, the website is thespotlight.com, and Spotlight is spelled S-P-O-T-L-Y-T-E. So Did you come different. up with a name? Oh, sure. Yes. We um, went through an extensive naming process, and you know, naming, naming companies nowadays is not I think it's gotten harder mm -hmm. because, um, you know, getting the URL is so important. And then you also want to get social media and you, it's ideal to have consistency across the social media platforms that will be relevant to you um, and you need to get it trademarked and, and whatnot. So uh, when we when we named Guilt um, in, in some ways, you know, 2007, that was that was easier um, than today. So we had many, many ideas for, for possible names and Spotlight was just one that we all really loved. And, um, you know, where we kind of toggle between using it as a noun, as a verb um, and having fun with it. And Spotlight, hopefully your listeners will check it out and, and check out our Instagram at Spotlight. Um, it's a really great place to learn about beauty, meaning skincare and makeup, as well as medical aesthetics, and read about interesting people, whether they be um, influencers and they could be founders of companies, um, they could be chefs, they could be um, actresses, they could be um, so many doctors that we've profiled all across the country, um, women as well as men, and just talking about things that um, are important to millions of consumers 
consumers. There are um, so many millions of consumers who have questions about medical aesthetics and about self-care and, and aging. And um, we provide um, really well-researched content on um, a variety of, of topics. And we are working with some of the best beauty freelancers out there, um, as well as we have an internal and toward editorial team. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a pretty major beauty launch. We, we, we launched, um, September 12th and, um, you know, our, our kind of beating all of our forecasts and expectations in terms of the traffic to the site and, um, whatnot. I think consumers are craving information and education. Real information. That's accurate. Yes, it's accurate. Um, it's researched, uh, you know, getting, getting so many doctors involved in, um, interviewing them, profiling them, understanding what works for them is, is great. And, um, you know, beauty and science are evolving so quickly these days. And, um, we have so many more options on how to take care of ourselves, our bodies, our skin, um, our hair than, than kind of our, our grandparents' generation yeah. did. I actually saw you featured one of our clients on Instagram the other day, Nest Fragrances. Oh yeah. Was on there. Yeah. We yes. could, they were actually one of our very first clients. Oh, I love Nest. Oh my gosh. Sicilian orange. I yes, Sicilian tangerine. Sicilian tangerine. tangerine. Sorry. Oh my gosh. And I then love Japanese black currant. So good. I just they're inhaled all, their scents. They're all yeah. so good. And I don't know that one. Scents oh, come out all the time. They're amazing. Yes. Love. Have you ah. met Laura, the founder? Briefly. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they're you what a get great her on. story. Get her on your site. Yeah. Yes. Actually, it's such a good idea. We'll we'll reach out. Maybe yeah. you can. We'll connect you. <laughs> Talk to <laughs> us about the the marketing strategy for launching Spotlight. Sure. So, um, you know, one one of the things that was new and scary for me, um, but exciting, you know, I get motivated by by newness and challenges. And so here I was coming into this uh, big biopharmaceutical company, and I've never worked in healthcare. I've never worked in in pharmaceuticals, um, and and really. But but I'm an expert, I guess, on understanding consumer behavior, um, whether it be beauty or fashion. And, you know, for the past, I guess, 11 years, everything I've done ha- has been um, with a digital uh, spin to it. But before that, I understood bricks and mortar and, and managed retail stores and whatnot. So, um, you know, just bringing a consumer mindset, you know, my title is about consumer strategy and innovation, bringing that to an industry that um, is heavily regulated and um, historically hasn't um, maybe placed a huge emphasis on on talking directly to consumers and has leveraged healthcare providers to do that. Yeah, that was that was exciting to me and also a huge responsibility. And I feel like I had I had to I I still feel that way that there's so much to get up to speed on. So I'm constantly reading and learning and traveling um, to meet with colleagues of ours across across the country and and even some global travel. Um, and what's been so fun is bringing in um, an amazing team of people. So our our team. Hopefully, you guys will come visit our offices. We're really a hodgepodge of um, amazing team members. Some of some of the team come comes from the pharmaceutical industry. Some come from beauty. Some come from tech and digital and agencies. And we have um, writers and performance marketers and business people and tons of um, incredible engineers and you know the type of talent that we've attracted in building Spotlight and then these other ventures that can't talk about yet. Um, <laughs> Is that we're we're bringing in a new type of talent into Allergan and and getting this type of talent interested in in pharma as a as a sector, which is which is pretty cool. What did you do for the launch of the site? Did you have events or are we doing PR? Yes, so um, we have an awesome internal PR team, mm-hmm. Ashley Park, who's here, Amanda Rosenberg, and and that's it. You know, we're working with with an agency, but this is not an army of people. This is um, a, a you know, a tiny, small but mighty mm-hmm. um, team um, that is very creative and and again thinking about pharma is is new for us, which I think is good because um, we still can think really big and creatively, and then we learn what what is what is appropriate uh, for the industry. But we had a big um, billboard um, spotlight uh, digital billboard in New York Times for uh, I'm, what am I saying? Times Square. We had a big <laughs> digital. We had a big digital billboard in Times Square, um, which was so exciting. And then our launch day, we got our whole team uh, together in Times Square, took pictures, and um, that was amazing. And and you know. 
I've never heard of a startup on launch day having a billboard on Times Square. And um, we actually got access to that billboard for free. So we, we didn't pay for it. We leveraged some relationships we had. Um, and then we did a fun food truck that, that served coffee that morning that went all around town. And we got, um, we were really fortunate. Uh, we got, we got a lot of media coverage and we didn't know how that was going to play out mm-hmm. because we're we are a media site, but we're not competing with um, typical magazines or online, um, you know, online content sites because our business model is is different. It's not um, it's not we're not kind of driven the same way the typical advertising. That's what models, I wanted to so. ask you. So, what is the actual business model behind <laughs> Spotlight? Um, so, so first and foremost, the objective of Spotlight is educating mm-hmm. millions of consumers. Um, ultimately, hopefully around the world on beauty and medical aesthetics and educating them on their options. And the site is unbranded, which means we don't talk about the the drugs and devices that we own as a company. We we know we're benefiting our competitors probably just as much as, as we are ourselves. We are the market leader in um, the categories in which we operate. But um, it's really about providing a credible source to consumers where if they want to learn about all kinds of um, treatments, whether it's about injectables or body contouring or, um, or you know, what, what the latest trends are in, in beauty, meaning makeup, skincare, hair care, um, you know, we, we provide answers to that in a really fun, um, fun way. So every single day, new content is uploaded to the site. Coming up, you're going to hear a fun brainstorm with Alexandra, plus Alexandra's biggest lessons learned from her three ventures. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. So Spotlight has been a, a very new venture for you. It's it's a whole new experience. What has been the biggest learning lesson uh, to date? Sure. So Spotlight is only we're only a few months in, so I think we're still learning every single day. Uh, but for me, just to get up to speed on a new industry, what the norms are, what the regulations are that um, that has been something I've I've had to to learn quickly. Um, but motivating again in an industry that I didn't really know how um, excited I was to, to learn. So that's been um, that's been amazing. What surprised you the most being there so far? What surprised me? Uh, you know, I just assumed that big companies and corporates operated slowly and would be bureaucratic and and inflexible because that's kind of what entrepreneurs often think about big companies. And I must say, I have been so happily surprised that it is a very entrepreneurial company. It's global. Um, There is a ton of flexibility. You know, we, um, as as a company, everyone travels so much. My my boss is literally on a plane, it seems like, almost daily. And, um, you know, with that comes flexibility. You work hard, you get your work done. It doesn't matter where where you're dialing into a conference call from, um, and that's um, that's been terrific. And I think it is fast paced, and science is um, incredibly um, exciting. And um, there's a lot happening um, in terms of of um, the macroeconomic um, perspective in in healthcare and science these days. So. Um, it's nice to be at a big company that has deep pockets and resources, and yet um, one that can move so quickly. So that's been awesome. That's from nice. the idea to when it actually executed. How long was that time timeline? So I joined Allergan February 2018, but the idea had been um, brewing, and um, we'd gone through phase, before I joined um, phases of incubation. There were several ideas. I think um, hundreds of ideas that got narrowed down to 10, that got narrowed down to five. And we are executing three of those ideas right now. Um, So I guess start to finish was probably um, a little over a year from let's do something disruptive in medical aesthetics to actually launching, um, which for me feels really long as a timeline. But we were doing something pretty, pretty innovative 
in general in, in medical aesthetics and then doing something innovative within a company, within a pharmaceutical company. So, um, How have yeah. you figured out who you needed to hire first? And are you responsible for all of the hiring or do you have people under you that are hiring people every day? So I love hiring. Um, and I think in general, one one lesson that I'd love to share that I think can apply to anything, whether it's hiring, fundraising, partnerships, sales, you name it, is um, just, you know, keep meeting people, keep track of people. I mentioned LinkedIn earlier. Um, so I relied really heavily on my network. Some of the team members that we brought in, I've worked, I had worked with before at Guild, at Glam Squad. Um, some people I had wanted to work with before, but maybe couldn't hire them um, at a previous stage. And then um, leveraging um, some of our internal talent for um, their their networks, um, you know, using um, all kinds of email lists I have access to. Um, we even did something that was actually it was a test. Um, Nick on our on our team, he he's head of HR for for our projects. He said, "Let's do something on social media." We filmed a little video, and you know, I was like, "Okay, sure, whatever. I'll, I'll do what you ask me to." I, you know, no no task is is beneath me ever. And so we filmed a little video about you know what we're building and the types of roles that we're hiring for. And I posted it on LinkedIn in a couple places, um, and then others posted it as well. And we got flooded with resumes, I'm sure, and high quality resumes. Yeah. These weren't these weren't sort of resumes that you look at and you're like, "Why am I?" even getting this. It was like amazing talent, super educated, qualified, um, great um, work experience, pedigree, et cetera. And I was like, my goodness, I wish we could hire all these people. (laughs) Um, Our team is about 60 right now across our ventures. Um, We're all all together here in New York City. And um, we do have a few more roles to fill, but we're not on the like hiring spree that we were, I think, six months ago. So you went from zero to 60 in under a year. Zero to Kinda. 60, is that a saying? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, some people were internal, but in different roles. So it wasn't, and w- which was great, I think, to see opportunities for um, employees to move move cities, move roles. Some people even moved countries. Um, so about, it was probably about 50 new people who came wow. from, from the external world. And so, how do you build the culture yeah. of the company? Oh, my so gosh. New? I could talk about culture all day long. I love culture. We actually had a meeting yesterday, um, and we, this is the third one we've done since I've joined. Because, um, you know, when you keep hiring new people, it's important to figure out, like, what is the culture we want to build? So we went through, we asked everyone on the team, every level, um, you know, write down um, as many um, words to describe the culture you want. Um, we call our our kind of division um, moonwalker mm. and um, I don't know if that's a name that will stick forever but for now we like it and um, so you know what does what do you think moonwalker should um, embody and you know everyone was pretty consistent from day one when we were five people and I led this exercise to about 30 people and now 60 people it's really about being transparent communicative um, open-minded hard-working flexible agile respectful um, you know, those are those are kind of the teamwork, have fun, be passionate, don't take no for an answer. Um, you know, these are themes that have consistently come up. So that's that's great. I think that there is that consistency and in, in our culture today at 60 is what it was with six people. And, um, you know, if one day we got to 600, hopefully we could maintain the important values of the culture. Not everything can always stay as you scale, but um, but the important things hopefully do. Did you learn from guilt when you went from zero to over a thousand people how to really maintain that culture? Yes. Um, so there was a two-year period at Guilt where we went from z- every quarter we doubled um, employee base. So from zero to 25 to 50 to 100 to wow. 200, 400, 800. And I'd never been part of anything gr- that grew so quickly. Um, Alexis Maybank had in her eBay days. So she she um, had a lot of uh, – experience, I think, with that. And not every aspect of the culture can stay the same, but certain things can. And so if you're, um, you know, very open about what can stay the same in the beginning, it was like, we we want it to be fairly flat in terms of levels and whatnot. And um, that's hard to do when you have several hundred people um, versus when you have like five or 10 people. So that maybe we had to you know, create levels. Um, but having an open trans, um, open plan office was something that we did maintain. So the, the most junior in my career is when I probably had the best office, like in investment <laughs> banking, 
right out of college. Um, you know, now I'm uh, our Moonwalker team at Allegan. We're open plan, and I love it. Um, so you sit out there with everyone. I sit out yep. there with everyone. I mean, I have, we have access to conference rooms. And, of course, um, certain calls, you need quiet, you need confidentiality, certain meetings, et cetera. But I like sitting with the team. I think that's so important. It's fun. You feel the energy. You know when people are having a good day, a bad day. Um, you know, that's that's what I've gotten used to. I love that. <laughs> Uh, Something that I was wondering, and you talked about it earlier, you know, how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. Does it get any easier? (laughs) So I don't know that it gets easier, but I think with with time, with experience, with practice, you get better used to handling and dealing with – the unexpected and and the the bad days and the bad moments and so i think you get less phased um which is which is important and then for me it's just become less emotional and i think there's i i don't have like enough um enough emotions to to keep everything at the same intensity of the good days and the bad days that I that I did at Guilt. And that's okay. That doesn't mean I care less. It's just maybe it's maturity. Maybe it's um, maybe it's being a mother. I'm not sure what it is. I mean, I care so deeply about what we're building and our teams and um, the vision for our, our ventures. But um, the good the good days and the bad days phase me just less. And how do you balance your personal life with your work life? Does that get any easier? Um I'm really bad at saying no <laughs> to things. And so I I just have to – there are moments where I get overwhelmed and I'm like, why have I said yes to all these things? I, ha- I have to cut back and I have to say no. And then there are times when, when, I, um, when I really need to try different things. So I'm super organized. Um, I'm also – you know, a native New Yorker, so my family is is close by and, and very involved in, in everything um, that I do, which is helpful. And um, my husband has a career as well, but his um, he doesn't travel as much for work. His hours are are quite consistent, um, which which helps when when mine are a little bit more volatile. <laughs> Has there ever been a time where you felt truly burned out and you just needed a break? Oh, yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I think especially in startups, burnout is a, is a real issue and a real problem. And um, so I'm pretty open about burnout. Um, I think that – I mean now talking about wellness is um, is normal and acceptable and people um, – you know, you the – you think of so many trends out there and there's meditation and people talk about meditation and there are classes you can go to. Yeah, that I, I wasn't necessarily aware of that five to 10 years ago. So were you taking care of yourself back then when you were working so many hours? I, I thought I was, yeah. but I wasn't. There was a moment where I just was so stressed out and um, was getting migraines. Um, there was like a six month period where I had a migraine almost mm. every day and that was totally debilitating. And I tried different things, you know, I, I tried yoga, I tried meditation, I tried for, you know, making sure I slept enough hours and drinking more water <laughs> and all these things, listening to to podcasts on meditation. Um, and I think eventually part of it was just slowing down mm-hmm. and trying not to internalize the stress as much and not trying to carry the weight on my shoulders um, for everyone. And um, yeah, so when I feel myself getting a little stressed like that, I... Um, you know, I try try to slow down, but I have I have that was that was old, that was year two of guilt. Wow. I haven't felt like that again since then. So hopefully, never again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, something that Stephanie and I always do uh, with our guests is a brainstorm. So, is there anything that you would want to uh, enlist our help with, or have us put uh, sixty seconds on the clock to figure out? And do a quick little brainstorm. Oh my gosh, um, you're social media experts. Can you give me <laughs> advice on how to have a more engaged following on my Instagram, please? Yes, we have 60 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? Okay. Is this for your personal Instagram or for Spotlight? For my personal. Okay. So the key is posting content every day, especially on your stories, and being very authentic, engaging, and vulnerable. Yes. And having conversations with your audience. So definitely when we finish recording, we can film something here and asking for feedback from your audience too. Ask them what they want to hear about and then create content like that for them too. 
Yeah, showcasing, you know, everything that's going on in your day or as much as you can. You can't share everything. Uh, but giving your your uh, followers a sneak peek into com- some of the personal moments in your life will really help them uh, relate to you. And then, because you've launched this new venture, you can ask your fans and followers for their opinions as well. So let's say you're about to launch something new for Spotlight. You can say, do you guys think I should do this option or this option? And then people will give you real-time feedback right there. In your feed or in your stories? Um, you can do both. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Appreciate that. Perfect. You perfect. Did it. Glad that will help. And then something else we always are wondering, and we always ask our guests this, is what does it mean to you to be an entrepreneurista? <laughs> well, I love the word entrepreneurista. <laughs> what it means to me, um, well, it sounds, because it ends in A, it sounds like it's um, a female entrepreneur. <laughs> um, I think it's about being confident and um, empowered, empowering others and um, being bold, bold to follow your dreams and your passions. And um, you can you can never be too confident. Humility is so important. There's so much to learn from other people. Um, and I, I think Entreprenista has like a fun ring to it. So have fun while you're doing this and pursuing this incredibly hard journey. I love that. And my final question for you. So I want to know what's next. Like literally when you walk out the door right now, where are you going next? And then <laughs> what's next for you in, in your career? What else do you have on the horizon? So what's next? I go to the office um, and have a full afternoon of, of meetings, which I look forward to. And what's on the horizon? Um, my goodness, I, I hope to stay at Allergan for, for a long while and get the opportunity to build um, build more ventures, hire more people, um, continue to learn. And, you know, one day when I grow up, I still think I'm a kid. Um, you know, I, I hope to continue to have impact on on people, on companies, um, and, and hopefully serve on more boards and, and keep my mind um, intellectually stimulated. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing your story and all of your incredible insight with our audience. It's been such a pleasure to to have you on here today. Where can everyone find you and follow you and watch all of your new Instagram stories? <laughs> <laughs> now that I've learned from you. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm, I'm basically at a Wilkes Wilson on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And connect with you. And on Spotlight, they're on, you're on Instagram too. Please, yes. at Spotlight, S-P-O-T-L-Y-T-E. And we will be putting that in all of our social feeds and we'll have everyone follow you too. Thank you so much. Yes. You guys are the best. Aww, thank you. Thank you. Let's have cupcakes. Yes, yes. we're some cupcakes now. And thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back next week with another incredible entrepreneurista. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting you've ever had. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at Entreprenistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entreprenistapodcast.com. Entreprenista is produced by Mouth Media Network for Socialfly. Copyright 2019, Socialfly, all rights reserved. Thanks for listening.